Good morning. Good to see you all. Uh, so this series that we're doing uh, over the next couple of days is in honor of this guy, Francis Schaefer, uh, who played an important role in the evolution of the college a few decades ago. I just don't think anybody here has ever heard of this guy. So <laughs> uh, over the next couple of days, I'm just going to, I'm trying to give you a little bit of an intro into this guy and why he might be important for us. Um, for many of the faculty members, especially an older generation, some of whom have retired, some are in the process of retiring, uh, Schaefer was a very key figure uh, in their lives and in their academic careers and spiritual lives and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm just hoping to give you a little taste for this guy. Um, I've got a remote control whose name's Steve. Look at that. Who was Francis Schaefer? <laughs> so this is this guy, uh, Francis Schaefer. Uh, and this is a picture of him and his wife, Edith, uh, who started this uh, ministry a long time ago uh, called Labrie. Labrie is a French word for fellowship, for uh, shelter. They were in French-speaking Switzerland when they started this ministry. Uh, what's part of what's intriguing about their story is this isn't a ministry they created or designed. It was just sort of created in their midst, really. The Lord just created it and they went with it. Um, they actually moved to Switzerland in the early 50s to start an evangelistic ministry to young children and uh, develop like a Sunday school program. Um, <clears throat> before moving to Switzerland, uh, Schaefer had been a Presbyterian pastor in St. Louis and was especially known for vacation Bible schools in St. Louis that were just flooded with kids. Um, Libri, this place became a shelter of Christian hospitality for seekers and the brokenhearted. Especially in the 60s and 70s, hippies flooded this place uh, looking for deep spiritual truths. There's a picture of, uh, in Switzerland, the main chalet uh, that they lived in and had all kinds of people come to stay with them. Uh, Schaefer also made several visits uh, across uh, America and the world to different universities, including here. Um, there we go. 1970 here. This guy's so OG. Look at this crazy outfit. Uh, he doesn't dress like a Presbyterian. This is like, he's kind of the some leader Hosen Luau or something. I don't know what that is, but... <laughs> Um, you know, no slave to fashion, this guy. Um, so in the spring of 1973, uh, here at Covenant, there was a big Libri conference with uh, Dr. Schaefer and several of his coworkers from Libri. Uh, 1,200 people came to Covenant's campus. Uh, literally flooded this place because there was like a week of rain before they showed up, so it was a mess. Uh, 1991, the college awarded an honorary doctorate to Edith. Uh, that's about seven years after Francis Schaefer died in 84, after a battle with cancer. Um, here's a little quote from uh, President Ronald Reagan at the time, talking about Schaefer at his death. He will long be remembered as one of the great Christian thinkers of our century, with a childlike faith and a profound compassion towards others. It can rarely be said of an individual that his life touched many others and affected them for the better. It will be said by Francis Schaeffer that his life touched millions of souls and brought them to the truth of their creator. Uh, at the same time, Schaefer, I'm not going to be here to tell you that Schaefer's a superhero. 
uh, you know, that uh, we should have shrines or something. Uh, he was also a really controversial figure. He was a, a short, kind of fiery prophet with a screechy voice, uh, hard to ignore, impossible to tame, is how I would describe him. Um, some people see him as a philosopher, some see him as a conservative right-wing Christian nationalist. He was definitely neither of those. Uh, he was a complex character. He was often either reduced down to one part of his work or simply seen as a host of contradictions. He was a leader in the leading evangelical Christians to fight against abortion in the early 70s, 1970s, when actually the evangelical church was almost universally pro-choice, which might be a shock to us. At the same time, he was one of the few Christians who was fighting for serious Christian engagement in saving the environment. Think completely forgotten about him these days. Many see him as a Christian culture warrior. He would have absolutely hated that. But for many, he was the first Christian who told them that Christianity was a coherent belief system and made sense. Not only was it defensible, it's really the only system of thought that actually gives answers to the core questions of philosophy that have plagued us since Plato. For a whole generation of academics, like many older faculty members at Covenant, he was the first voice in the church that validated academic and intellectual pursuits as a Christian vocation. So in these three talks, I wanna to talk to you about some of the things that I learned from Schaefer. Before I came to Covenant in 2007, I worked for four years at the English Libri. Oh, let's go back one. That's the manor house in England. Uh, that I lived in for four years with a bunch of other people. That's a whole other story. Um, apart from England and Switzerland, there are Libri, branches of Libri in Holland, Brazil, uh, South Korea, Canada, and two in America. Uh, I first heard about Schaefer and Libri when I was your age in college. I was studying electrical engineering at Georgia Tech. It might sound a little odd given my present vocation, but um, I became a Christian in high school through Young Life. Uh, one of the biggest ways which Schaefer broke my categories and really expanded my faith was in teaching that Christianity was true in a way that felt like outside the pages of the Bible. Like I had thought of Christianity and experienced it as something was true, kind of as a system between the pages and in my own experience. Schaefer was the first person who said, it's true of absolutely everybody, everywhere, all, everything, right? <clears throat> that Christianity explains reality as it is, and that the fundamental characteristic that binds all human beings together is their being creatures before a creator, created in his image. And that is true for absolutely everybody, no matter what they believe. And that is the defining reality that they are wrestling with. This touches on something that is a core conviction of Schaefer's and essential to the ministry of Brie. You go to the next slide. A need for and search for reality, uh, which is what I, that's the main thing I want to talk about today. <clears throat> reality, uh, not just in the sense of a philosophical sense of the world outside of us or simply a belief system that corresponds to reality, but a core Schaefer's of Schaefer's being in thought was a need for reality. If Christianity was true, then it should produce something life-giving and beautiful 
but not perfect. As Schaefer says, this is the next slide, there we go. This is the point of reality for me. If I lay upon the blood of Christ uh, in faith, reality rests here, not in living, not in trying to live as though the Bible teaches perfectionism. That's not a basis for reality. That's only a basis for either subterfuge or despair. But there is reality here, the reality of sins forgiven, the reality of a certain sin is brought under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's forgiven. This is the reality of restored relationship. Reality is not meant to be only creedal, that is about ideas and doctrines, though creeds are important. Reality is to be experienced on the basis of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. So one of the primary focuses of the Brie is a resistance towards two opposing temptations, romanticism and cynicism. Schaefer's theological language for this was to describe human beings as glorious ruins. Glorious in that we carry and bear the image of God and have it in the glory. Ruins in that it's also corrupted and distorted. And that we remain both glorious, weighty people created in God's image, as well as people who are, in Augustine's language, turned in on our own hearts, right? But what that means in practice is we are people that, in Paul's words, rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve, because there are things to rejoice about and things to grieve over. Christians are often tempted to retreat into a romanticism that wants to sugarcoat the world and see everything through rose-colored glasses. Churches often promote this kind of escapism as a Christian virtue. The opposite temptation is to fall into cynicism, seeing the brokenness and corruptibility of individuals and institutions as the cold, dark truth, the real truth. Both are flights from and refuses to deal with reality as it is. One of the core practices of Libri is celebrating what's good and beautiful and grieving loss and injustice, but also in seeing these as essential elements of the Christian life and Christian spirituality. All of this came out of Schaefer's own real need for reality in the Christian life. Schaefer himself traces the origins of this place that became Libri not to a little intellectual or cultural apologetics. It goes back to a moment in his life where he felt the pain and the lack of reality in those around him and in his own life. In the decades before Schaefer moved to Switzerland, he had been a pastor in a very strict conservative Presbyterian denomination uh, in which he had a role in beginning when he was in seminary. He was, frankly, a very tightly wound, self-righteous, proud character who had hurt a lot of people in his zeal for defending his narrow vision of the true church. But soon after he moved to Switzerland, he hit a brick wall, spiritually, and he began to question himself, his life, his faith, his denomination, uh, and what he saw in himself and in the institution he had sent him overseas was supporting and was supporting him financially was something that was just ugly. It was a, a group dominated by bitter men who would stab each other in the back over some tiny doctrinal dispute. And he was probably the best at it. What he felt most strongly uh, was that he and his comrades lacked any reality in their lives that corresponded to the teachings of Jesus and his apostles. And so he went through a deep period of doubting 
his faith. He came out of the other side with a deeper set of convictions about his faith, but also a demand for honesty and integrity where we lack reality. He quit his job and his salary position with the missions agency that had sent him, not knowing how he was going to feed his family in Switzerland. <laughs> the Libris is an institution that began a few years later, but at the heart of it, it's all started here. In the, in the intro to his books, True Spirituality, which is what this series is named after, um, in which these lectures commemorate, Schaefer talks about that struggle. Let's go to the next, uh, keep going, there we go, next, sweet, one more, no, 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 that's good, we'll stop there for a sec. Uh, so he says this, gradually a problem came to me, the problem of reality. This had two parts. First, it seemed to me among those who held to this theological orthodoxy, one saw little reality of the things that the Bible so clearly said should be the re results of Christianity. Second, it gradually grew on me that my own reality was less than it had been in the early days after I became a Christian. I realized that in honesty, I had to go back and rethink my whole position. Next one. As he went through the process of doubt, he came out with a deeper conviction for his faith. He says, I saw again that there were totally sufficient reasons to know that the infinite personal God does exist and that Christianity is true. That's the intellectual piece. But in addition, he came away with a new sense of what this meant and what this truth meant for the Christian life, lived moment by moment in a broken world in the power of the Spirit. Schaefer also describes this uh, what this meant for him personally. Uh, let's do two more. Yeah, good. Gradually, the sun came out, the song came, interestingly enough, though I had written no poetry for many years. In that time of joy and song, I found poetry beginning to flow again. Poetry of certainty and affirmation of life, thanksgiving and praise. Admittedly, as poetry, it was very poor, but it expressed the song in my heart that was wonderful to me. This was and Eel is the real basis of Labrie. Schaefer's need for honesty and spiritual reality took him to a place of both truth and beauty. He taught me that good theology is life-giving, not simply a logical system of truth, but something that produces something joyful and beautiful, even if it produces bad poetry. And Schaefer says, this is part of what you need to get. This is really the core of Libri and the ministry that Schaefer founded in all of his work. At the core, what I learned from Schaefer and experience living and working with students at Libri was this. Most of the folks who came to Libri when I was there uh, were around your age, in their college years, early 20s. Uh, they came because their life was at a crossroads and they didn't know what to do or where to go. Libri is a really hard place to describe. The children who lived there with their families, who were workers, they used to just tell their friends, my parents run a hostel <laughs> that people come and stay at, because uh, they didn't know what to think. Some people from the outside think it looks like a Christian think tank or something. Uh, I just called it a spiritual hospital. We care for the spiritually sick and wounded. We give them a place of solace and comfort where they can fall apart if they need to. They learn that they don't have to be perfect and that it, they won't actually die if they face their deepest doubts and sorrows. 
Most of the students I met in Liberty came from some kind of Christian background, and most were at the point of walking away from it. They had decided to remain a Christian, and they had a desire to remain a Christian, but they couldn't see how that was possible. Like Schaefer, they were searching for reality in the Christian life. Many had grown up in Christian homes and institutions that were authoritarian, self-righteous, legalistic, and damaging. Everything Schaefer would have called ugly. If there was any hope for them to hold on to their faith, they needed to heal from their real wounds of abuse and to have some kind of alternative modeled for them. When I met one-on-one -on -one with students, we talked in some weird mixture of apologetics, counseling, and spiritual direction. Frankly, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I had just come out of a PhD from Cambridge. No one ever asked me about the mysteries of the Koine Greek verbal system uh, or how to interpret First Peter, which is all that I did for my doctoral work. So my doctoral research was pretty much useless. But I had been on my own spiritual journey and had my own thirst for reality, and most of my students, they really didn't need answers, they just needed a witness. Sympathetic witness. A witness to their story, a witness to the love of God. Demonstrated in the hot cup of tea on a rainy winter day, which we did a lot of. <laughs> I can remember, so I'm gonna jump through a couple of these. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. I wish we could look at that picture. Keep going. Um, maybe we'll come to this. I can remember when I first moved to the Brie in England. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me was the leaky teapots. Drove me nuts. Um, so this is England. We had necessarily two tea breaks a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, because this is just what you do. Um, and so there was this ritual twice a day of making tea for about 30 to 40 people. So we had these two huge teapots, okay? I think they must have been owned by Churchill. They were like these ancient, old, rickety teapots. Um, they inevitably leaked every time you poured uh, a cuppa, as the English like to say. Um, it was a gross, untidy mess. Uh, good for the tea lovers, I like you. Um, I'm really not a neat freak, but it kind of drove me nuts just to see the tea spilling out everywhere all the time. Um, and I really wondered why we couldn't just get some new teapots. Uh, but the English are famous for what they call making do with old broken stuff, so I didn't voice my concerns and tried to adapt the English ways of life. Um, but after a couple years, I just began to love those old teapots. For me, they symbolized something important. They were a sign of hospitality, but also the practice of living with imperfection. The teapots communicated something, a hospitality that made room for people to feel safe and to feel safe to not be okay and to fall apart if they needed to. Most of them actually did fall apart at some point, um, and they were still safe. Francis Schaeffer wrote dozens of books, produced two documentary film series, and this part might seem a little strange. In Brie, we almost never talked about any of those things. Usually when somebody creates a ministry that's centered on a charismatic person, it's all about selling their books and that kind of stuff. Um, 
but this wasn't really how things worked in Libri. But there, when I was in Libri, there was one book I'd always told my students to read, True Spirituality, which is the book that this series came after. It's also the book that I'm gonna be talking about the next two chapels. Um, and it's the book, again, at the heart of Libri, and what these lectures commemorate. In Libri, it was by far, everyone thought it was the most important thing that he ever wrote. And in this book, Schaefer's just trying to get what is at the heart of the Christian life? What virtues and truths and temperaments of the Christian life foster? And what can we actually expect realistically in our lives? One of the key phrases that Schaefer repeats again and again in that book is what he calls substantial healing. Which he applies to all these different areas of life psychological integration, corporate life in the church, social justice, all these different things. Uh, and once again, Schaefer's trying to speak about the spiritual life as something realistic. He's trying to shy, he's trying to make a line between hopelessness and resignation and cynicism and perfectionistic, like God is gonna make everything perfect. There's a, re, there's a realism there. We're all going to walk with a limp in some way. Right? So, tomorrow we're going to be looking a little more at uh, true spirituality and some of the core things that Schaefer talks about there. Uh, but I wanted to give you one little taste of that uh, before we finish. Uh, keep, yeah, that's the one. He says this, there is no mechanical solution to true spirituality or the true Christian life. Anything that has the mark of the mechanical upon it is a mistake. It's not possible to say, read so many chapters of the Bible every day and you'll have this much sanctification. Or it's not possible to say, pray this amount every day and you'll have a certain amount of sanctification. Or slam those two together and you get a big slice of sanctification. Um, this is a purely mechanical solution, and it denies the whole Christian position. It denies all Christian theology. What he means by that is God is personal, and each person is unique. There can't be a formula. But the fact is that the Christian life, true spirituality, can never have a mechanical solution. The real solution is being cast up into the moment-by-moment -moment communion, personal communion, with God himself, and letting Christ's truth flow through me, through the agency of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to get at in his understanding of the Christian life and true spirituality. Uh, I look forward to talking more about that tomorrow. Wonderful to be with you guys. Let me close with a prayer. Lord, our Father, we come to you this day. We give you thanks for uh, the beautiful sunshine, for the gifts that come from your hand, for your faithfulness to us. Pray that you would uh, open our minds and hearts for your glory and that you would bless us to let your face shine upon us this day in our community here on the mountain and turn us away from ourselves and to you to be embraced as sons and daughters this day. Amen.